sustainable clean energy is going to be the future. Um, and so we want young kids from backgrounds who may not uh, traditionally have access um, to information um, to know that this world is coming, right? That these uh, technologies are going to be very real one day. They are very real. They're going to be a part of our everyday life. Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Ben Stockdale. Hello, Squeaky Clean listeners. This is Jarvis Arrington, your favorite squeaky clean intern. <laughs> the only squeaky clean intern. Favorite squeaky clean intern. <laughs> well, Jarvis, you're number one in my book. That's what matters. Literally no one else competes with you. Man, myth, legend, icon, just adjectives for myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we are coming to you live from Raleigh, North Carolina. Capital City, 919. And we are in the studio In today. the studio in the 919. In the studio, and not in the storage closet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Now that we've elevated, I just forgot about the struggle yeah. of the of the um, storage closet. Yeah. Great. Well, wow. Today, we have a big, huge, huge show for you today. We've got a two-time NBA All-Star. All-Star, best in the league. And the former head of the National Wildlife Federation. No cap. Wow. So, Jarvis, what are we talking about today? So, today we have these two guests that are going to come in, and they'll be talking about the importance of community and how it relates to clean energy, both in the United States and abroad, and more specifically, their initiatives in Ghana. Wow. Well, we're really looking forward to it. This is a really special conversation. Very important and special conversation. So, stay tuned. Thanks for joining us, and this show is going to be great. It'll be a slam dunk. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. Clean energy. Our first guest today is an internationally recognized thought leader on clean energy and has led two of the largest environmental organizations in the world, the six million member National Wildlife Federation and the Apollo Alliance, which was a 19 million member organization during his tenure. He was a research scholar and McCluskey fellow at Yale University, and he's the founder and chairman of Zoetic Global. Friends of the pod, Let's give a squeaky clean welcome to today's first guest, joining us through the interwebs from Washington, D.C., Jerome Ringo. Jerome, welcome to the pod. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here today. Great. And our second guest today is an all-star, and I mean that literally. Joining us live in NCSEA Studios is an internationally known voice for clean energy. He serves as advisory board member of Zoetic Global, which recently signed a 100 megawatt power purchase agreement with the electric company of Ghana. 
But our second guest today isn't just a clean power influencer, he was also a power forward in the NBA for 15 years. He is no stranger to energy efficiency as he was one of the most efficient shooters in the game. He was named National College Player of the Year in 2003, is a two-time NBA All-Star, and won two NBA championships with the Golden State Warriors. Friends of the pod, let's give a squeaky clean welcome to our second guest today, David West. David, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Uh, time to be here. Definitely, definitely. Well, we'll go ahead and get started. So I want to get a background on how y'all got into clean energy. Jerome, I'll start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in clean energy and why you're so passionate about it? Well, I grew up in Louisiana and where oil and gas is king. I worked in the petrochemical and refining industry, both offshore in the Gulf of Mexico and drilling uh, fossil fuels, but also worked in the refining uh, and petrochemical industry on land in Louisiana. Uh, became very concerned about the adverse impact of industry uh, on people that lived in closest proximity to those industries and wanted to sort of build bridges between communities and industries that were developing products that we needed and used on a daily basis, but with the understanding that there were casualties to that effort uh, in uh, the recipients of pollution and what have you. So I joined the Louisiana Wildlife Federation, which was the largest environmental organization in Louisiana. Later, I ran for the board of directors of the National Wildlife Federation, and in 2007 became the chairman of the board, being the first African-American to head a major conservation organization in history. Um, and as you mentioned later, I became the head of Apollo Alliance, which was a coalition on clean energy to change the narrative of the 2008 presidential election to where green energy would be a topic of conversation. Uh, the plan was to build a coalition of 250,000 people. I built the coalition to 19 million, which became the largest coalition on clean energy in history. I as well was part of the U.S. delegation. I was the only person of color as part of the U.S. delegation to negotiate the climate treaty in Kyoto, Japan under President Clinton. I was also asked to be a part of the delegation under President Bush and then under President Obama uh, in Bonn and Copenhagen and uh, Montreal, Rio and what have you. Uh, and spoke at the United Nations, addressed the U.N. headquarters in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, spent two years. Uh, as a lecturer and the McCluskey Fellow at Yale University and also uh, at the University of California, Santa Barbara. So I have a long history in the environmental conservation movement, but really a long history and commitment to resolving the disproportionate and adverse impact uh, mainly on poor and people of color communities uh, in the development of products that we use on a daily basis. Thank you, Jerome. Wow, that's quite the history. And we are really honored to have you today with such a such a wide perspective on, you know, not just environmental uh, issues, but also clean energy. So thanks for joining us today. I want to turn it over to David and, you know, just kind of get your insight on why you got involved in clean energy and and how and how it relates to the other community work that you do. So, again, um sort of the, I don't have the sort of the illustrious background that Jerome has in, <laughs> uh, in this field, but uh, 
I started to go on uh, taking trips to Africa um, maybe seven or eight years ago, um, you know, just wanting to reconnect with the continent. And on one of my trips there, uh, you know, when you're in a, a country that uh, I was in Ghana and nobody's speaking English. So every time you get on the elevator or something and there may be an opportunity to see if this person speaks English, you just take a shot. So I get on the elevator in the hotel one day and uh, I'm looking at my phone and I say something and I look at Jerome, he's the other guy in the elevator. And he said, you from the States? Yeah, I'm from the States. From the States. <laughs> so we kind of like exit uh, the floor. Uh, we just strike up a conversation and, you know, we just start talking, um, wow. talking about basketball and then basketball led into, well, what are you doing here? Well, what are you doing here? Um, at the time I was over there um, helping um, young kids. I was doing a basketball clinic. Uh, we were bringing them some health resources. Um, and Jerome was over there doing work, you know, uh, doing some clean energy work. And so he explained to me what, uh, you know, his background was, you know, what he was involved in, um, the business he was involved in. And he's he's really the one that sort of made it real for me in terms of, um, you know, the impact that getting behind um, some of the things that are going on in the clean energy space uh, could have, particularly on uh, the world that's developing. And um, from there, uh, it's just been an education process for me. Um, I really lean and depend on Jerome for guidance and advice, and, um, you know, sort of the direction that things are going. Um, really, for the last two years, uh, I've tagged along with him um, into Central America, uh, into Africa, uh, East Africa. Um, you know, we're going to be in quite a few places. We've you know been around in the country here, um, and again, for me, it's about doing things just in general, um, sort of rounding out your, your question back to what the community work we do here. It's just about having impact. Um, so I don't want to do things that um, won't have that lasting impact, that residual effect of, uh, of my time uh, and then also uh, my focus. And uh, you know, part of what we do is focusing on um, young people um, and hoping that um, what we're contributing to society um, it's impacting what, uh, impacting the world that they'll be in and they'll be in charge of one day. So um, you know, that sort of rounds it out. Um, you know, again, we're uh, you know, just intent on doing the right thing. Um, and this is just one of those initiatives. Whoop. Well, we really appreciate your work. And, uh, you know, I think you're talking about like the human angle of clean energy and kind of coming to it from a community perspective of right. how do we continue to build community? How does clean energy not just impact the grid, but how does it impact the people that we're right. providing it for? Right. So that's right. really cool. I think that, you know, a lot of people come from like a science angle and engineering angle, right. but it's neat that you're really coming from the human humanitarian right. angle. And it me. all, and it all works sort of works together and meets at the same, same point. Right. Um, it all has to, all has to make sense. And, people are involved in, you know, like in Jerome's background. That was one of the things that really drew me in was when I heard that story, he just, he didn't even really get into the details of sort of um, you know, what he, you know, what made him take the shift, but um, just listening to some of the stories in the background that um, and experiences that he has had, um, um, let me know the human element involved. And then I, obviously there's a scientific level involved where um, you're looking at new technologies and innovative ways to battery storage yeah, and recreate sort of the future so um, uh, it all it all sort of works and centers around um, um, 
sort of people being um, um, in the clear or understanding where we have to go um, in the future. Right, right. So I want to talk a little bit about Zoetic Global because you all are both representing Zoetic today. <clears throat> Jerome, can you tell us what Zoetic Global does and how you came to form this company? Yes, Zoetic uh, is sort of an unusual word. Uh, it, it's, it's sort of poetic, but with a Z. Uh, zoetic means pertaining to life. Uh, and as David has uh, articulated, I think the common element between he and I was that uh, David is a solutions provider and David is a person who that I recognize was interested in creating opportunity. And that is what Zoetic is about. As I travel and have traveled around the world like David, uh, we have seen that there is adverse impact. People are looking for pathways out of poverty. And Zoetic was set up so that we could find the best in class technologies that could meet the greatest demand of the world, especially the developing world. And what we found is that the greatest demand, of course, is clean water uh, and energy. Of course, uh, energy is a factor because 1.2 billion people today do not have access to electricity and 850 million people in the world today cannot get a clean glass of water. And so if you meet those basic needs, of course, you begin to uh, build a platform uh, of, of sustainability and meeting people's uh, everyday requirements. Uh, but we also recognize that uh, with Zoetic that they, we face many challenges, especially with climate change, droughts, climatic variations that were affecting uh, people's ability to get clean water or to get uh, clean energy. So Zoetic decided, we decided to seek the best in class technologies around the world that were efficient, uh, that were readily available, could produce the products that we needed, but do it in an environmentally friendly manner. So over the years, Zoetic has put together real viable solutions, uh, clean technologies, clean ideas uh, that can impact people's lives and literally be a pathway out of poverty. And uh, meeting David West, I realized that his passion was in parallel to my passion. Though we came from different backgrounds, our end result was the same, and that was to create a better quality of life for people all over the world, especially in developing nations. Well, that's great. And I think it touches on something that we talk about here at NCSEA, which is a shared energy future. Yes. You know, it's this idea that we need to align on what our interests are and why we're doing clean energy in order to really advance it. So that's great that, that you and David have this connection because I think it really does, again, speak to the human angle of clean energy that uh, sometimes it's not quite as talked about. So I think that's really important uh, to get that perspective. So David, how did you get involved? So we, you know, we heard that you met Jerome and, you know, you learned his story, you came on board. What's happened since? Well, uh, I've done a, quite a bit of traveling. Um, I've become more aware. My alertness and awareness has come up in terms of uh, how I can contribute. Um, um, you know, we've, made strides in terms of the business, um, again, like Jerome said, in grabbing um, some of the best uh, technologies in the world, um, you 
know, creating opportunity for people to have access to those technologies um, and <clears throat> really continue to grow our partnerships in terms of the people um, that we're working with um, and the people that we can we can reach. David, during the Obama administration, mm -hmm. you were an ambassador for the Minorities in Energy, mm -hmm. a group of senior level leaders committed to lending their voice to the mission of Minorities in Energy through outreach and strategic planning. Can you talk a little bit about the experience and what you gained through it? Right. So it was an experience where I was in over my head in terms <laughs> of the people that I was yeah. put alongside. Yeah. But the... What we noticed was that when you put someone like a basketball player or someone where the kids can um, recognize um, and then you add or attach this message to it, um, you're able to reach them. So, for instance, we did a clinic in, in Ghana, uh, in West Africa, and, you know, the draw was basketball. So kids come to get some basketball, right? So they come going to doing basketball camp to get to meet me, had a couple other NBA guys with me. Yeah, and y'all stand out. I mean, right, y'all right, right, definitely right. stand out. So we, we, bring, we bring the kids, uh, right, get hundreds of kids to come. But then during our, we have times where we're downtime, the kids are eating, we're giving them services. We have Jerome there. And Jerome is starting to introduce the kids to clean energy. Wow. He's starting to talk. So this is the way they connect. And so we learned that this formula it's powerful because, okay, if you tell the kids, hey, come on a Saturday to listen and sit down and be lectured to about clean energy, we're going to get like 40 kids. Yeah. But if it's come to this basketball camp, NBA players are going to be there. Okay, cool. And then there's literally three I'd be there. I'd be there. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then we use that intersection. We use that opportunity to introduce them to the world of that we hope is their future, right? Wow. Um, clean energy information introducing them to uh, maybe a, a simple technology, um, introducing them to something that they could maybe tweak or change in their daily life to contribute, um, and just putting them on, you know, making them aware that this is something that they should be thinking about. When, you know, you, you hear or you might see things in the news about you know, people arguing over fossil fuels and things like that, where we just assume young people understand what's going on without actually explaining to them what it is so we've 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 done that right so we did that we got great results it's a formula we use you can put this basketball guy out here draw kids to a gym but then you can also bring in the elements um jerome and a group of uh, other experts that work with us you know be around and when we have down sessions in downtime you're, you're learning about renewable energy you're learning about environment and environmental impact and we think that's information that young people uh you know should have and it's very valuable for them what do you find as their responses to it? Like, why do you think that young people are supportive of clean energy? Do you find that they are easy to, to gain support? Or, you know, what's been your experience about that? Yeah, I mean, it's just introducing them to things that they may not be aware of. Um, introducing them to, you know, alternatives and the idea that there will be, you know, different types of ways to, to power your car. There are going to be different types of ways to get electricity to your home. Um, and make them aware that those things are a part of the future and it has a better impact in terms of what it's doing to the environment.
Jerome, you are the former chair of the board of directors of the National Wildlife Federation. And as you said, you were the first African-American to hold such a post with a national organization. When you became a member of the National Wildlife Federation, you were the first black member out of 24,000 members. Why, you, you know, you're touching on it, but why is diversity so important in clean energy? Well, diversity is important because there's strength in numbers. And as we all breathe the air and we all drink the water, we all should be involved in the policies and the decisions that are made to improve the environment. But it is no secret. People of color and poor people are not at the policy tables. We're not at the table to make the, the legislative uh, decisions around protection, even though we are disproportionately impacted. Two out of three African-Americans live within the same zip code of a landfill. 70% of the counties in America uh, that, that are predominantly minority are in violation of the Clean Water or the Clean Air Act in some way, form, or fashion. So there's no question about the disproportionate impact. Uh, the greatest impact of climate change on Earth is in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, where there are six years or seven years of drought. The 10 hottest years in history have occurred since 2001. So there's no question uh, that there's a disproportionate impact, but there's no question as well that there's a lack of involvement of people of color and poor people. Does it mean that they don't care about the environment? Sure, they care about the environment, but poor people have a list of priorities that are more quality of life related, like how do I pay next month's rent? How do I get proper health care for my families? Those things that are directly in front of them. But it is very, very clear that poor people and people of color overall have a general interest and care about the environment like no other. Uh, the, the most consistent voting record in the U.S. Congress on environmental issues is the Congressional Black Caucus consistently vote to protect us and make sure that policies are in place that are going to ensure environmental and uh, protection. So we all are impacted, so we all should be involved. The strength of the movement is the participation from everyone, from every economic, from every level of the economic ladder and from people from all walks of life. I want to turn it to you, David. I grew up watching you get passes from Chris Paul. Right. I watched you, you know, win two championships. So one, I'm just fanboying that you're here. Mm -hmm. But two, I want to know why the NBA informed your work in clean energy. How did that translate? How are you taking some of the skills that you learned? Tell me how this uh, this translates into clean energy. Um, you know, I haven't really thought about that. Um, I think um, it, it's more tied to sort of just who I am. Um, you know, my, my hope was that the way I played, um, you know, gave people a, a chance to see somebody just maximize what they were given. Um, you know, I wasn't blessed with, you know, the great athleticism and all these other things, but um, I figured out how to maximize what I had, um, embrace what I was, um, and get the most out of it. Uh, and, you know, I used sort of that, I guess that mantra, that context um, in different parts of my life. And, um, you know, Zoetic and this opportunity being a part of uh, the conversation in terms of when people want to talk about or want to address, you know, the direction that we should take in terms of how we provide electricity to people, or how we uh, 
burn fossil fuels or how do we reduce dependence on fossil fuels? And um, um, these are conversations that we could have. Um, but I think because of the way I'm centered and I'm centered around impact, um, centered around having an impact on young people, um, it just fits perfectly within that context. One of the things that we really focus on at NCSCA is making sure that we have an equitable transition to clean energy, making sure that everyone enjoys the benefits of clean energy. So, David, why is it important for us to include everyone in the clean energy conversation and why is an equitable transition to energy, clean energy, so important? Uh, well, I think it's um, one impact. One is impact. We've talked about that. Uh, Jerome's talked about that. Um, the impact, the negative impacts in those in the communities that those uh, affect um, disproportionately. Um, so that's the first thing. And then I think the, the, the second part of it is knowing that there are options out there. Um, you know, that's like that's a big thing. Like, you know, sometimes you get hammered down with thinking, well, this is the only option. And, you know, clean, sustainable, renewable energy um, is a viable option. And not everybody will know that. And what we don't want is we don't want a few few folks understanding that and then taking advantage of that. We want um, all people, when Jerome uh, touched on it earlier in terms of employment and job opportunities, going to be tons of opportunity in the green space when you talk about um, what these newer, um, uh, more efficient uh, technologies and uh, uh, chemicals and things can do. Um, and we want everybody to have an opportunity to know what's going on. We want everybody to know and have an opportunity to partake in uh, a business if it's available, uh, educational uh, program system if it's available, um, because these are the jobs, you know, sustainable clean energy is going to be the future. Um, and so we want young kids from backgrounds who may not uh, traditionally have access um, to information, um, to know that this world is coming, right? That these uh, technologies are going to be very real one day. They are very real. They're going to be a part of our everyday life. And, um, um, you know, the only way that they'll learn it is if we tell them, if we teach them, if we inform them about it. Absolutely. You know, yeah. this world is coming and we're helping to bring it. So, yeah. you know, thanks, right, for, right. thanks for the work that you're doing. As we're moving into this final section of our interview, I just want to get your takes on what's next for Zoetic and what you're most excited about. So, Jerome, I'll start with you. What's next for you and what's next for Zoetic and what are you most excited about right now? Well, Zoetic is a solutions provider, and I'm really excited about the fact that we are really coming in with viable, as I mentioned, now solutions. Um, we have uh, uh, attracted the interest of people from all over the world. I spoke just a few weeks ago at the United Nations. We uh, have the interest, of course, the African Union, of which I'm the goodwill ambassador for trade. David is a sports ambassador. And so we are very involved with the African Union, which represents all 55 countries of the continent of Africa where the need we find is greatest. Of course, countries like India, Southeast Asia, Central America, where David and I have visited, have similar demands. 
We're satisfied that we are meeting or in the process of meeting those demands, which is a, a generates a level of optimism going into the future. Um, we want sustainable uh, solutions. We want economic uh, beneficial solutions. And I think that Zoetic is surely the company that has come together with quality people. We put together a team second to none, I believe, uh, that understands the value of meeting these demands and still understand how important it is that the products that are created, which are much needed, and America's and the world's gluttonous appetite for energy has to be satisfied. But how do we do it sustainably? So I appreciate where Zoetic has been. I'm excited about where we are, and I'm very optimistic about where we're going. Well, solutions, that's what we need, and thanks for providing them. It's so exciting to hear about what y'all are working on. So, David, what's next for you, and what's next for your involvement with Zoetic? And what are you most excited about? Yeah, um, well, I will continue to do, you know, to be a, an ambassador and an advisor, um, uh, you know, and a, a student uh, all in one. Um, again, it's one of the, it's probably the only time in my life where, I, where I'm okay sort of being the, the basketball uh, puppet out front because I know that it's a it's a draw um, and it's you know I mentioned the young people earlier but it also works for politicians and people in other countries because they'll come up to me if I'm at an event and it's like hey let's talk about basketball and then all of a sudden I can start and shift their mind toward you know what we're really there for which is these clean um, um, opportunities. So leveraging um, that experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is one of the spaces where I'm okay doing that. Um, so I look forward to continuing to do that, uh, you know, continuing to reach people, you know, uh, doing my work, obviously, in, in basketball and, um, and reaching young people through sport um, and delivering, uh, you know, character messages that they can carry with them uh, in any uh, context in life. Fantastic. Well, Thanks so much for being on the show, y'all. This Absolutely. has been great. You know, we got to talk about a lot, but I think we really hit home the message and the importance of diversity and clean energy. We talked about the human angle and how I really want to maximize impact. I think that's one of the big takeaways for me is that, you know, David is trying to maximize his impact yeah. and clean energy right. is one of the ways to do that. And Jerome, I mean, gosh, you've been a historic <laughs> figure on clean energy and just been around for so long. So thanks for being with us. Uh, Jerome, we really appreciate you joining us today on the pod. Thank you. Awesome. And David, thank you so much. You know, grew up watching you. This is super exciting for us, but really as a voice for clean energy, this has been great for us to get your perspective. So thanks for being on the pod. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. have it folks the 16th episode of the squeaky clean energy podcast bringing the latest in clean energy right to your ears and what a show it was what a super sweet 16 it was <laughs> good one jarvis <laughs> yeah, thanks shout out to mtv <laughs> well aside from the jokes we make on this show we had a seriously awesome conversation with jerome ringo clean energy trailblazer and david west clean energy all-star with that being said, Ben, what do you think today's key takeaway was? 
I think the key takeaway is that community service and clean energy are intrinsically linked. When you're looking at community service, you're really trying to see what's gonna make the most important impact on a community, what's really gonna help folks, and clean energy is definitely part of that solution. It's obviously not the only solution, but when you're looking at the impact that clean energy makes, you're looking at economic opportunities, you're looking at quality of life, you're looking at the environmental impact. So really it's a holistic way to check a lot of boxes in terms of making impact. So I would say that the number one key takeaway is that community service, clean energy, one in the same. Preach, preach. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. And thank you for joining us today on the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode with Creighton Blackwell, who is an awesome community leader in North Carolina. He is one of the top community servants. He serves on literally every board and nonprofit you can possibly imagine. He does so much for North Carolinians that we had to get him on the show. So stay tuned for that one. And don't forget to have a great day.